Ian Collins wants a word. Powered by the hard-working Mitsubishi L200. With £2,000 off the range, make the L200 your ultimate workmate. Here's the thing, Kev. Oh, yeah. Uh, we often get asked about, you know, how do you start a show? Because sometimes we use, like the other week, we use kind of um, show-busy music like this. Oh, yeah. Uh, we could um, use circus music. That'd be good. How about we take the piss out of a politician? Recognise this. Do that. Or a political supporter. I'm here to protest, right. Or a TV thing. How about uh, a completely random old radio jingle? It's the talk of the nation. Or we could just press this button. Ian Collins wants a word. anybody listening to this was hoping for some kind of climax <laughs> of which there was none I have no doubt really. I'm sure there was somewhere yeah. uh, it is once a word and welcome one and all to the big podcast. Uh, thank you to everybody who's downloaded this year. So it's not the last one of the year, by the way, but, you know, we're heading in that direction, of course. We are, yeah. Um, lots to do between now and Christmas. And this particular episode uh, will feature a guest. No. Yeah. Do we need one? He's back. Hang on a second. He's, I didn't... I, when he, I came in... Right. When I came in tonight, I didn't agree to having any guests on. Who is it? Who have you got? Drum roll, please. Our guest is none other than Will Gnu. Right. Now, you know full well that Will and I have some Can issues. you stop the drums, Andre, you tit? <laughs> right, OK. I, I'm going to keep my distance from him. That's all I'm going to say. I, I'm just hoping, I'm very much hoping, the reason that I have an issue with Will doesn't become your issue as well. That's, I mean, I, I don't want to go into it here. You don't want me to catch your issue. No, I, I'm hoping you don't catch don't my issue. Contaminate me with your issue. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Because then you would need an issue tissue. By the way, speaking of which, Mrs. Kev... Why has it never been called that? I know, but Mrs. Kev always has a, a go at me, because I say... Well, for leaving your issue tissues around. <laughs> Shit. It's, yes. It tends to be the response of your other half. Because <laughs> I say tissue. I say tissue. Which is the correct way to correct. say it. Correct. But she says, no, it's a tissue. And I'm like, well, there's no H in it. It's two like S's. tissue. Yes. Yeah. From the French, le tissoir. Yeah. Therefore, tissue, not tissue. Well, whatever your tissue issue, Will Gnu, uh, Will Guard himself, will be on with us later. I, have, I think I speak for everyone when I say I, I can wait. <laughs> I really can. Okay. You got some questions, Kev? It's questions and feedback via social media and Atari 2600. Just keeping on with the theme. That was the, the wooden console where yes. you had the, uh, the plane games and it was like two tanks and you you're know, just like shooting at each other. You know who had one of those? It's tremendous. I've still got one. You know who else had one? Who? Will Gadoo. Did he? <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. Bamboozling Baz from Abergavenny writes... Is it really the season of goodwill? On Saturday, I got told to f*** <laughs> off by a charity collector because I wouldn't sign up to a direct debit to help save tigers. In fairness, I did tell him that I thought tigers were whackers <laughs> who would eat anything as soon as look at it, including him. Who was right in this debate, me or him? Ah, well, he's been chuggered, hasn't he? That's what's happening. He's, he's been chuggered. Is that back to the issue, Tissue? The, <laughs> the, the high street charity. Oh, people I see, yeah. Who want you to sign up on the dotted line with your direct debit. And they do that thing of standing out in front of you. You've seen that? Oh, right? oh, you're like, oh, we're friends. We're mates. We're friends. friends. Hello. Hey, 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 you hey. Looking good today. Hey, hey. Everything all right? And they do a little dance in front of you. And all you want to do is kick them in the. <laughs> all, you want to do, all you want to do is kick them in the bollocks. I was thinking exactly that. And they're attempting to, obviously, ingratiate themselves with you so that you'll sign along the dotted line. 
Yeah, and but, they could be saving uh, all manner of things from tigers to the environment. But in the nicest possible way, they're, they're not doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. They're no, doing people it. get paid for it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. They work for a company. I don't think they work for the charity. No, they work actually. for a company. They go out, That's usually do the little dance. Hello, mate, you got a minute? You know, shake the hand. And uh, then, all right, if you say no, all right, have a good day then, mate. It's like, well, just, you know, come on. He come might on. have because I, I don't know if it's the same charity or the same people, but I once got collared by the tiger people. And they were trying to get you on the spot. Now, this, is, this takes it to another level, really. They were trying to get you on the spot to send a text, text the word tiger's ass or something, <laughs> yeah, yeah. to this number. And straight away by doing it, you donate a tenner. Ten quid. Straight ten quid. Blimey. Whatever happened if you got, you know, a couple of pence for the charity pot. So a straight ten quid. And they were doing this on the street saying, get, can you just get your phone out? You know, do you want to save a tiger? I like, do you like a, I like a tiger and all that. Well, do you know that, you know, sometimes... They, they get caught, and it's not very nice, and somebody sticks a red-hot poker up their ass, yeah. so that, you know, they do all of this. And <laughs> yeah. It's deeply unpleasant, which I have every sympathy with, I'm sure it is. Yeah. And nonetheless, they want money to save them. That's, that's great. Get your phone out, text the word, tiger's ass, to this number, and you've donated a tenner. I think that's a bit intimidating. It is, but then, you know, I remember I was forced to give some money to WWF once, and I ended up owning Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> I'm with bamboozling Baz. <laughs> Kev. From Roman. Roman has a genuine question. Andre, put down that snow leopard and give me some genuine question music. My girlfriend wants us to expand the family by getting a dog. I thought it was as simple as buying one from a pet shop and sticking it in a kennel, but she keeps using phrases like, we must meet the dog and then adopt him or her. Is she mental? So what? They're getting a real dog or a virtual dog? They're getting a real dog. But I think what Roman's saying is that he's saying, ah, oh, we'll buy a dog and we have the dog as a pet. And she's yeah. saying, well, no, it's going to be part of the family and you don't own the dog, you adopt the dog like you would adopt a small orphan child. Well, if you're buying a second-hand dog, yeah. I mean, from the kennels, uh, because it's... Uh, no, if you're adopting a second-hand dog. Okay. So if you're adopting a... Uh, previously loved dog. Hang on, that sounds wrong. If you're adopting a a animal, then yes, carry on. So well yes, okay, so you're adopting the animal. But if it's if you're getting it from a puppy, so it's just been born, yeah. then you don't need to go and sort of ingratiate yourself with it. But if you're getting it from a, a second hand source, so the dog has previously been owned, the owner died or was horrible to the dog or whatever happened, then you might do. Because you could, you know, some of these dogs look lovely. They will take your f***ing face off <laughs> if you look at them the wrong way, much like the tiger aforementioned. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't so really know the answer you're not a dog person, are you? Uh, I, don't, I don't mind dogs. I enjoy, I wouldn't want to have one. I'd rather have a cat than a dog. Hmm. But I haven't sort of like... Uh, have I you seen my spaniel? It's, it's an impressive beast, it has to be said. It's not bad, is it? I mean, you think having a kid changes your life and alters the way you plan any kind of day... Then factor in a small percentage of that because it's going to it's going to have an effect, even if it's just down to making sure you take the poor thing for a walk. But it's going to have an effect. Yeah. And don't if you're going to have a family dog, have a family dog. Don't you know people go, "We've got a family dog, but it's not allowed in the house." Not allowed in the house. Don't get a family dog then. I um get a cat. I our family cat. Yeah, 
which is probably left out all night anyway. Do cats still go out at night? I don't know. Times have changed. <laughs> so do cats still exist? Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah, I think they do. Yeah. I, I saw a pussy on the way here. Oh, dear. Look, are you being served could do that in ni- the 1970s. And if Mrs. Slocum can get away with it, then so could Sideshow Kev. Yes. Uh, Roger Ramface writes, Mince pies, Christmas pudding and Brussels sprouts are possibly the worst three things a human can eat. So why are these rascals of the human palate so darn popular at Christmas? It makes a good point. I agree with uh, two of the three. I can eat all of those. Yeah. But I wouldn't go mad for any of them. Uh, Christmas pudding is... is Supremely disappointing. Mince pies are the devil's work. Uh, They're but, a bit weird, the mince pie, aren't they? But your sprouts, I think, are an important part of Christmas dinner because the taste and the bitterness of them offsets the taste of everything else. Do you like them? Yes, I do now, genuinely. I can, see, I can eat them, and I think they're okay. As a kid, they used to make me want to vom. Yeah. But I can eat them. But you know you can do a... Um, and I had this when I went to Washington. They do like a fried... Fried sprout. I'm sure they're not the only place that does it. You can fry a sprout. I've heard about this, yeah. To, so it kind of goes into that, you know, the Chinese seaweed thing. It sort of goes into that department. Yeah. And it's just very bloody nice, as long as it's sort of flavoured and given enough bits and pieces with it. But So your sprout is a fairly flexible bit of kit. I enjoy, I do, I, I, yeah, I like the sprout. And again, this is a conversation that whenever we get to Christmas, somebody always asks us about sprouts. But then if they were so unpopular, then they just wouldn't sell them, would they? No, they wouldn't. Because there are, I mean, there must be, and this is a good point, there must be some vegetables that were launched in the UK, presumably from, from foreign lands, yeah. uh, which bombed, so supermarkets stopped stocking them. Well, I know in the fruit department, your kumquat gets a terrible press. It does, it does indeed, yeah. i tell you one that should get a bad press, mm-hmm. and it should get a bad press back to the veg, uh, for obvious reason, that's your mini sweet corn. Because mini sweet corn bears no resemblance to sweet corn. Yeah. So why is it called mini sweet corn? I'm, what kind of guff is that? Right, I'll what tell you. What kind of con of the veg world is that? I can tell you exactly. It's a, it's a corn on the con is what it is. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm anti them. I like sweet corn when it's been, you know, plucked. Yeah. But I don't want to have to pluck it myself. Uh, and, you Are know, you anti a big cob? Uh, there's nothing wrong with a big cob. But I think if you're talking about the mini cob, this, this, the smaller cob, then, you know... Have you been working with Perry and Croft? <laughs> <laughs> when you stick that in your gob... You're caught on the cob. It's going to be, um, you so, know, it's not going to be pleasant. It's, it's not good for your teeth, but the mini one, you know, the little tiny one. Oh, those. Those that are not sweet corn. No. They're something else, but they're called baby sweet corns. They're often packaged with, like, um, uh, yes. the, the things that are like beans, but I've got no beans in them. You know the ones I mean? Better mange too. Mange too, that's yes, it. Yes, that yeah. kind of thing. That's right. You get a mixed veg, they often throw a couple of those sly buggers in there. Yeah. <laughs> but they don't really do what you think corn is going to do, whereas your sweet corn, different different animal. Not for nothing, but mange too, which is effectively the, what beans come in. Yeah. It would be like going to a newsagent and buying an empty packet of crisps. Because <laughs> all of the good stuff is gone, and you're just left with the outer casing. And why is it called a mange too? French Which means eat everything. It's your French, isn't it, mate? Coming over here, naming our vegetables. <laughs> From Adam, not the ant. All your classic banter regarding classic TV reminded me about a morning TV thing that only I seem to know about. This sounds like a challenge. Go on. If there's anyone up for the challenge, it's well, another podcast, but we'll try. I remember the premise being an Australian farmer-type guy in a play school-type studio set talking with different characters, some real, some stuffed in between short kids' cartoons or shows. The highlight of this morning's smorgasbord of delight was a segment where said Australian man opened up his breakfast to see what his wife had packed him. I remember Frog's Legs. 
he would then tuck into this snack before introducing the next segment. I wasn't drunk on leftover vodka left out by my parents. I saw it. Can you vouch for it? No. No. This one eludes that me. That sounds mucked up. It, <laughs> it really does. What uh, what era are we talking about here? Uh, well, I would imagine Adam's a very old man, um, so I'm guessing... Yeah, it would have helped, Adam. Seventies, eighties, nineties. He wants 90s? us to troll back through 60, 70 years of television. Try and stick that description in Google, see what comes up. Uh, well, I already did, and it didn't come up with anything. But uh, if you know, kevatwantsaword.com, and we'll try and solve yeah. that for Adam, who uh, clearly doesn't, in fact, uh, know how to use a search engine... And or is just lazy and yeah. wants us to do it. Fair point. Uh, from Kenny the Brutes. Collins, I've been watching that jungle program. Would you consider going on this show? You look like the kind of man who could down a bucket of kangaroo bollocks in exchange for a treat. You'd be great. <laughs> Plus, you get to meet Ant and Deck. I quite like watching that program. Eh. Edwina Curry's on this one. Yeah. What's a quack quack? I kid you not. You ever thought beforehand? Maybe she's all right. Actually, she Edwina Curry has a brilliant way of saying something really rather reasonable in a very objectionable way. Yeah. So she's having a pop at this girl Kendra, who is an American reality star. Yes. Who did reveal, by the way, that and I, th- I think this is reasonable that she was in the Playboy Mansion. And when you go in the Playboy Mansion, part of being in the Playboy Mansion mm. is that you have to essentially shag Hugh Hefner. Yes. And she was 18. Hugh was 78. <laughs> yeah. Is that not a bit f***ed up? Not if you're Hugh. If you're Hugh, it's excellent news. Well, I bet he's got a whole room called the Issue Tissue. <laughs> he probably does. Yeah. You have to look at it from both points of view. I mean, if you, if you were Hugh Hefner and that's the kind of thing you could do safely, then you would do it, obviously. Now, you might need a little bit of assistance in the old... Um, yeah, block and tackle. I yeah, indeed, yeah. But you would still sort of like, uh, you'd, you'd want to have a good time. Well, what's He's the not going to be on his deathbed with any regrets, What is, is the deal that you go and live there? How does it work? I mean, what, do you work when you're there? Do you just live there with you? I've no idea. We need to get a Playboy bunny on the show. Or just a bunny. That looks sort of fun. Just depends on who you're in there with, doesn't it? Who would you rather not be in there? Owen Jones. Oh, that would be spectacular. You and Owen in the jungle. Yeah, you could drown him in the billabong. <laughs> what is a billabong? I don't exactly know. I, I don't know. Let's ask Rolf Harris. Yeah. No, no. Uh, from Sid in Essex, Sid says, Now we have a second UKIP MP. Do you think Nigel Farage is likely to become the Prime Minister at some point in the next few years? <laughs> You've got more chance of shitting in the Queen's handbag. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be about as popular as S Club 7 at a BB King gig, wouldn't he? <laughs> Can you imagine him there? It would make Ed Miliband look like JFK when he speaks. How many MPs have the Green Party got? Uh, MPs, they've got one. They've got one? Yeah. So up until last week, they had the same sort of parliamentary representation. So you wouldn't say that a week ago the Green Party were going to challenge for, you know, leadership of the country. So the fact that everyone's suddenly worried about UKIP or not worried about UKIP... Uh, it seems a little bit previous. Yeah, but there it, we are. It, it is a bit previous. It doesn't kind of it doesn't quite work out when you do the figures. The fact is, they've done very well right. in council elections. I think they've been the highest party with most votes. Yeah, they just haven't necessarily. And some of those they've translated into seats, and of course in the European Parliament. But they've done a lot of coming second ahead of lots of other parties they wouldn't have expected. So they've had an accelerated experience at the ballot box. 
Would it translate into Nigel Farage becoming the Prime Minister? Well, he'd need about 300 MPs for that to happen. Right. And I refer you to my first answer. Yes. Well, fair point. And if anyone knows politics, Collins knows politics. Thank you very much. Finally, Esther, from Peebo Bryson. <laughs> Following on from Ian's dad giving him some mercury to take to school, and we had two weeks ago the samurai sword being taken to school. Last week it was the uh, chemical suites yeah. in the science lab. Peebo writes, following on from Ian's dad giving him some mercury to take to school, so inappropriate things that your parents have given you to take to school, my mum once accidentally put a can of Carlsberg in my packed lunch when I was seven. To this day, she has no idea why. I didn't drink it, but my friend Alistair tried some and later on vomed all over the gym. Wow. He was unfortunately on top of the climbing apparatus at the time. Not good. Yeah, so if you've, uh, if your parents... Thank you, Peebo. If your parents... (laughs) I celebrate my pub for you. If you've tried the best to, I could come up with, it was not bad. If your um, if your parents have ever sent anything inappropriate with you to school, keep it um, relatively broadcastable. Uh, yeah. Kevatwantsaword.com. Thanks. Uh, more questions on the next episode coming up later. Will Guyatt is back. Yeah. Plus, we've got this. Here we go, everyone. It's that feature that takes a long, hard look at life's knobheads. You know the kind of folk, those who, regardless of sex, status or faith, find themselves acting in a penile-based manner. They could be from the television or the word of film. They might be your mate or your neighbour. It's even possible it's actually your other half. Whoever they are, wherever they lurk, these are the people who, from time to time, display such traits of sheer, dumb, ass buffoonery you find yourself concluding only one thing. Hey! Hey! You're being a dick, Kev. You've done it again with dick, Kev. Kev. My nomination this week is actually literally a dick. Will Smith's dick, to be precise, and the fact uh, that he used it to produce two children who are also dicks. (laughs) Jaden, who is 16, and Willow, who are 14, gave an interview to the New York Times magazine last week in which they came up with the following dickish quotes. Here's one from Jaden. Jaden says, this is Jaden talking about time. It's proven that time moves for you depending on where you are in the universe. Bear in mind, Jaden is 16 years old. It's relative to beings and other places, but on the level of being here on Earth, if you are aware in a moment, one second can last a year. And if you are unaware, your whole childhood, your whole life, can pass by in six seconds. What the hell is he talking about? Willow, his 14-year-old sister, says, There are no novels that I like to read, so I write my own novels, and then I read them again, and it's the best thing. Jaden then chips in, Willow's been writing her own novels since she was six. Nice. I bet they were f***ing brilliant. Bear in mind, what Willow has actually done there is she said there are no good books at all. Yes. So I'm writing better books than exist. Than anything that's ever been hunted up in history. A lot of it's down to education, possibly Scientology. Jaden says you never learn anything in school. Think about how many car accidents happen every day. Driver's Ed, what's up? I still haven't been to Driver's Ed because if everybody I know has been in an accident, I can't see how Driver's Ed is really helping them out. Ugh, you tool. Uh, and um, here's one from Willow, if you've ever wondered about um, your mind and how your mind works. Your mind has a duality to it, says 14-year-old Willow. 
So when one thought goes into your mind, it's not just one thought. It has to bounce off both hemispheres of the brain. When you're thinking about something happy, you're also thinking about something sad. When you're thinking about an apple, you also think about the opposite of an apple. What the f*** is the opposite of an apple? It's a banana, isn't it? In the nicest possible way. Are these pear f***ed up? (laughs) I mean, the old man seems reasonably sane. Uh, Well, he would certainly present that image. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh, sorry, Will and, uh, Jada, your, your kids are officially dicks. Here's one. And this applies to... I saw this happen with one man uh, at, at the weekend, but I've seen it happen lots of times before. I'm going to nominate the collective. Okay. People at railway stations who run for a train when they're not actually late for one. Yes. And I'm getting on the same train as the fella near me, and I'm about to go through the ticket machine, and I hear this breathless voice behind me and I can hear the run of footsteps and he's going through the machine he's trying to get his ticket in the machine thing and it clinks open and down he goes and he runs to this train goes at 12 minutes past 10 Mm -hmm. it's currently 7 minutes past 10 he's about 50 feet away from the train right why is he running you dick (laughs) but then that's also the same as people who Again, we, we, we do talk about public transport a lot, but the people who, on London's fabulous underground system, uh, which works some of the time, there'll be a train on the platform, and people will leg it to get on that train and push their way onto the train, yep. despite the fact there's another one one minute away. Correct. I'd also like to nominate the man who gave me one piece of chicken at the KFC drive through the other day, despite me ordering three. This is fine, but I didn't notice until I got the f*** home, oh. which was about 15 miles away. <laughs> You're not about to go back for more chook, are you? Did you phone up to complain? Hashtag when takeaways go bad. Yeah. Uh, no, this, but that's not the first time that's happened to me. And at the same emporium of Poule as well. Right. Where you order something, you get to where you're going. Happened on the way to work once. Absolutely starving. Did my bit. Ordered three pieces. Fries. Bit of beanage and a drink. Guy gives me the bag. Take the bag. Take the drink. Get to work thinking, I'm starving, and all that was in there was from Nuggets. Oh. I did ring them that, on that occasion. They go, yeah. well, next time you're in. It's like, well, next time I'm in? I want food now. Mm. Well, sometimes you do get quite... I remember having a pizza delivery from a well-known uh, an international chain, and they forgot... I can't remember what it was, but they forgot something like... The pizza? Well, it was like they forgot like the garlic bread or something, yeah. which we and it wasn't a free one. It was like a nice sort of pizza-y type garlic bread. And um, so we phoned up and said, oh, this wasn't here, you charged us for it. And they said, oh, it's okay, just next time you want some pizza, we will send it to you for free. So they sent us free pizza the next time we went. They ordered. remembered. Yeah. That's good. Still no f***ing <laughs> garlic bread, but we got some pizza. I once went into a greasy spoon, and they ran out of eggs. So I... Uh, <laughs> Do the thing. Two bacon, please. Egg on toast. Some beans. And the girl went, we haven't got any eggs. And it's like, what? What do you mean you haven't got any eggs? It's right. kind of the almost the staple, the central point of your existence. Yes. Really, well, yes. Other than bacon. You know, I'm putting eggs at a very close second on the big list of fry-up criteria. Uh, she said, no, we run out of eggs. And I said, why don't you go next door to the shop and buy some eggs? And she went, I might do that. <laughs> She clearly hadn't thought the. I don't know whether she thought the eggs arrived by magic or the chickens themselves entered yeah. the shop and plopped one out behind the counter. But it is rather extraordinary the way that some services don't kind of have what that horrible phrase joined up thinking. Well, I went into a pub once uh, with uh, with Mrs. Kev near where um, Mrs. Kev's parents live. I went into the pub and I said, "Yes, can I have a uh, a pint of your your finest um, cooking lager?" 
and a glass of white wine. And the woman looked up and said, oh, no, I'm sorry, we don't sell wine. It's a pub. Pubs sell, sell wine. wine. They didn't sell wine. It was almost like a Monty Python sketch. Not much call for it round here, sir. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's wine. Everyone sells wine. That's so she ended up having to have, like, a blue wicket or something disgusting like that. Here's one from Romany Jones in Crewe, who hey. says, I'd like to nominate Jake Quickenden. Right. Do you know Jake Quickenden? I don't think I do. Jake Quickenden. Uh, I did. I wouldn't have known until I've been watching the Jungle thing. Anyway, Romany says, I'd like to nominate Jake Quickenden. This was the bloke who got booted off the X Factor because he was clearly not a good enough singer. For some reason, he then got picked to go on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. So he was on ITV right. this year in the X Factor. OK. He got voted off and a week later went to Australia... That's kind of a loose definition of celebrity, isn't it? And I know this is a programme full of loose celebrities. Well, this is exactly Roman. He says, look, I know that programme is often thin on the ground when it comes to celebs, but the man who came 50th on The X Factor, what the <laughs> f*** is going on? <laughs> what makes it all a bit weird is that dear old Jake conducts himself with such unparalleled confidence you'd think he'd been in show business for years. Where does that come from? This man was literally a member of the public 12 weeks ago. Yeah, that's amazing. So but, not one, but two reality shows. But you also get, with the, that Jungle program, you do get ludicrous rumours, like um, they, uh, there was a rumour that Hulk Hogan was going to go yes. in. Yes. Terry I, Hatcher was going to go in. Yeah, and I don't, and I think they're probably both quite expensive. And I know they pay a lot of good money to the top stars on that, but... Once in a while, I mean, they've had a couple of um, actors that are kind of reasonably Hollywood. Yeah. They had the guy oh. from Star Trek called George Takei. Yeah, indeed. He's been on. People like that. Nikki in Glasgow says, Do you remember me telling you about my boyfriend, the one who was a bit of a... Quack, quack, oops! <laughs> Could you narrow it down? We get a lot of that. Well, I dumped him, and now I've discovered he has a new partner who is ten years younger than me, and if I'm brutally honest, a damn sight easier on the eye. Ooh. Am I right to think I should nominate myself as a dick? That said, this was the man who, among his many chasms of general knowledge, thought that Ireland was in Wales. <laughs> Nikki, you were right to dump him. Yes. Ted Baker's butler <laughs> says, I'm going for your friend Owen Jones. Oh. Hey, back again. All I see on Twitter when he's not on the telly is him banging on about how the rich keep getting richer. He's like a broken record. Now, I'm not privy, says Ted, to his bank balance, but given that he now writes a column for The Guardian, has a brand new book deal and pops up on TV more regularly than a repeat of Top Gear, I'm bound to conclude that he has, in all probability, got richer in the last two years and is therefore part of a tiny percentage of people who have seen a huge increase in their wealth whilst most have seen a decrease. Would I therefore be on reasonable territory to conclude that he is a bit of a dick? P.S. If you include this on the podcast, please can you play the dick jingle? It makes me laugh. Hey, hey, you're being a dick. Six-figured Jonesy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he's he does whinge about the richer getting richer. Yeah, I try not to listen to him or pay attention to him. You know, it doesn't really mean that when people say the rich are getting richer, it's kind of like saying, guess what happened last night? Night followed day. Because uh. the rich were cut. I mean, like, the rich, people have this curious sort of pantomime villain idea that the rich is a Russian oligarch who sits in a big palace... Yes. ...looking over the balcony. Um, but they're, they're likely to be in this country. People like Andy Murray... Alex Ferguson, yeah, oddly, One Direction, James Dyson flogging Hoovers. They are the average rich who's got richer. And, of course, Owen Jones, who's got a new book. So, therefore, assuming some people buy it, mm. he will get richer. How dare he? 
How f***ing dare he? Surely he should be representing the interest of the 98% who, of course, are frowned upon and are kicked by the rich and the people in government because everyone's in it together with the BBC, uh, with their BBC News bias, only reporting the stuff that uh, the government wants dope. you to know. Yeah, they love all of that. It's like uh, this hashtag thing, the Cameron must go hashtag, which uh, has been very big over the past Did you see weeks. me getting into... Scrapes over that? No, I didn't, no. Oh, man alive. Did you? But, I mean, it's... It's It's the most ludicrous hashtag ever. It's like anyone who didn't vote for David Cameron could give you a reason why they didn't vote for David Cameron and therefore why they don't like him. Yeah, but what I don't understand about that is people are saying the the defence for it basically seems to be, well, we're doing this so that people know and we can have our say via social media. That's fine. You also can have your say by voting. And if you feel that passionately against it... Vote him out. Not or just, vote him in. Well, yes, and curiously, talk about bad timing, vote him out in about 22 weeks' time <laughs> yes, when there's exactly. a f***ing election. <laughs> so you've got to wait five years for this bozo to get out of Downing Street. He's going in five months. Yeah. Yeah, the hashtag Cameron Must Go was probably the weakest of all kind of Twitter uh, mobilising campaign. I mean, you could just do Ed Must Go, Clegg Must Go, Wayne Rooney Must Go. I said to a woman the other day, at the weekend, they had 1.7 million... Sure, she said, we've had 107,000 tweets saying Cameron must go, as if that in itself actually means something. Well, yeah. Uh, the, the same weekend, they had 1.7 million tweets complaining about an injustice on X Factor. Well, this is the thing, though. It, it's like, um, it can make people feel good, and that's great, and if you do it, then good on you if you think it's accomplishing something. But you also have people who say, I've been a Doctor Who fan for five years, who have the hashtag Moffat must go, Stephen Moffat being the head writer and showrunner, because they don't like the stuff he writes. And it's a small section of people, but I don't think Stephen Moffat or the BBC are going to look at it and go, you know what, mate? These people on Twitter are a bit pissed off with you. Well, I better pack my bags then. But the trouble is, by definition of how so- the psychology of social networking, because it's a group of people and they all talk to each other, there is a sense that the whole world is talking about it. So it's a kind of circular mentality, because they all retweet and somebody else retweets, and then once in a while a celebrity like Russell Brand will come along and he'll retweet it, so they think they're onto something there. Yeah. On rare occasions, you might even get an MP, a backbench MP who nobody ever heard of, mention it in Parliament, which still doesn't constitute policy change or anything. So all of that, and it comes together to make people actually believe that social networking always means something. And the fact is, social networking sometimes means something. And Twitter or Facebook or any of those things rarely work in isolation. They've got to work in conjunction with other factors. Mm. And when campaigns work well on social networking, they do so because they've been properly organised and they've worked in parallel with something else. That's how it works. It doesn't just happen because you decide to invent a daft hashtag. Yeah. Hashtag wants a word. So Mitsubishi Motors in the UK is celebrating 40 years in the UK. And here's something else to celebrate. The fab Mitsubishi L200 is now available with £2,000 off across the range. It's truly the ultimate pickup featuring super select four-wheel drive, meaning you can drive in two- or four-wheel drive on any terrain with great finance options also available. Visit your local dealer this weekend and experience the Mitsubishi L200, the ultimate workmate. Don't forget, of course... Uh, Will Guyot, yeah, is going to be here with us, <sighs> talking tech. Meantime, oh, it's not, you're not taking a shoebox, don't, what are you doing? It's not a shoebox. What is it? It's not a band list. Is it a list? It is something we've done before, a, Is it multiple choice? Uh, well, there's no multiple choice. Have I got to speak? You do have to speak. So therefore I have to listen. It's Sideshow oh, Kev's, God. riddle me this. Andre, give me some riddle piddle diddle issue tissue music, please, you hunk. Very simple, Ian Collins. Yep. Riddles. 
riddles for you. Okay. I'm going to make your grey matter, what's left of it, work. Go. For a change. Here's the first one. Andre saw a snake crossing the road and swerved to crush it with his tyres. All the streetlights were off as well as the car's headlights. There were no other lights along the road. How did Andre see the snake? Because it was wearing a high-vis jacket. (laughs) No. A snaky high-vis jacket. No. Because a helicopter was doing a search at the time and its spotlight went down on the snake. No. Because the snake was not a snake. No. So it was a snake. Yes. Streetlights were off. Yes. Because it was daytime. Yes. Hey! It took a while, but you Get got there. Get in there, Stephen Hawking. <laughs> <laughs> what English word could have four of its five letters taken away and still retain its original pronunciation? Four of its five letters taken away. Yeah. So it's a five-letter word. If you take four of the letters away, it's still pronounced the same. R. R? R. Are you being a pirate or As a farmer? As in A-A-H-G-H. Ah. No. If you took four of those away, it still says R. Yeah, I know, but that doesn't make much sense. Well, of course it uh, does. No, it it's doesn't. It's exactly the answer to the question. It's not the answer. I just won! It's not the answer I've got written down <laughs> that here. That's a matter. The answer that's written down here is Q. Q? Q. R, Q. Yeah, other than Q, I thought... You meant. Two fathers and two sons go fishing. Each of them catches one fish. So why do they only bring home three fish? Because one of the sons is also a father. I'll give you that. The fishing group comprises a grandfather, his son, and his grandson. There you go. So you were kind of right. Get in there, Collins. A red house is made of red bricks, has a red wooden door, and a red roof. A yellow house is made of yellow bricks. To think about that. A yellow wooden door and a yellow roof. Okay. So what is a greenhouse made of? Uh, glass is the correct answer. Can I just say at this point, Stephen Fry, if you're listening, <laughs> cough. <laughs> Come on. And finally, yeah. Andre's height is six feet. He's an assistant at a butcher shop and wears size nine shoes. What does he weigh? <laughs> Meat. Damn you. Oh, yeah. I thought they were quite tough this week. You did well. I can see me on University Challenge. I'll be taking on the entire university. I'll, I'll be the bloke sitting upstairs, but on my own. <laughs> they won't have a pattern. have a little armchair up there with me on it. <laughs> There's nothing else to add to that. Yeah? <laughs> nothing else at all. Look who's here, everybody. It's Will Gadoo! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> He's playing Santa Claus. Well, it's my annual visit. At the Churchill to... Theatre Bromley from December to January, Jack and the Beanstalk. Will Guy is Santa Claus. Is Santa Claus. They don't the do that on TV anymore, do they? Do you remember when, yes. hello, hello, they used to say at the end, and uh, Gordon, Gordon Kay is appearing at the yeah. um, Something Arms in Stoke in Your Mother's Dead. That's right. John Inman is appearing at the Theatre Royal Great Yarmouth in Whoops Vicar. Well, there goes my knickers. <laughs> it was always one of those. It's true. What happened to a shameless plug for a ropey sitcom star? Agents, that's what happened. Is that what it was? It was the agents. They all kicked in. And I said, think so. Stop yeah. doing the deals. Something on those lines. Listen, the re- we don't even know why you're here, Will. <laughs> Kev's excited, aren't you, Kev? No. There, you see? That's excitement. That's about as... I mean, the bar isn't very high, but that is as excited as he actually gets. We thought two things. Uh, One, we would talk a little bit about Christmas. Excellent. uh, Gadgetry, tech, and all the rest of it. 
There is a sense, and I don't know if you're picking this up, as a man who knows his innovation and gadgetry will, there is a sense that every year now this conversation could repeat itself. Tablet, tablet, tablet. Yeah, and that's certainly true. And I think this year there is a um, big battle for under £100 tablets. And in previous years, they've been real turds. But this year, there's actually some fairly decent items available under 100 yes. quid. Um, Amazon have knocked up to 100 quid off of their, kin- their Kindle Fire, the Fire HD. Okay. Um, and you can get them from like 69 quid upwards. Um, LG are selling a 7-inch um, Android tablet with a current version of Android, a fairly current version of Android, for like 90 quid as well. So there's actually some fairly decent kit now under 100 quid. So tablets are big this year. Uh, wearable tech is big as well. I know you don't like looking like Flavor Flav with your watch or whatever. but your um, home. What's that? I like it at home. You like it at home? I wear anything flavor, at home. <laughs> So um, the wearable tech um, is one of these strange categories that got invented because everybody was shitting themselves with what was coming from Apple. Yep. So they created it on the basis of being nervous that Apple had something, and then Apple decided to create something after everybody else had done it. So uh, whether wearable tech and watches last for a long time is up for debate, but we won't really know until Apple come out with their um, Apple smartwatch in, um, in about March time next year. When I was at school... How long ago was that? Stop it. When I was at school, <laughs> they, um, and I remember everybody thinking, I want a digital watch for... You look uh, like Michael Knight from Knight Rider. Everybody, yeah, everybody wanted a digital watch. It was kind of... They were already out, but it was but by the time they started to put things like calculators on them yep. and stuff like that. So you remember you got the whole You know keyboard. they're worth a bit now, the original ones. The Casio. Yeah, yeah, and they remake them now. You can buy them for like 40 quid now. Well, interesting. They always looked... The, 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 the calculator watch... Did actually look quite good. It didn't look too clumsy. It was it was pretty cool. Everybody wanted one. They were hugely expensive. You had to wait till Christmas. No one was ever going to get one mid year. So any kid that walked into the class with one clearly, clearly had a birthday or it was January. That was, was a cal- no- that was a calculated move by parents. I think. Kev, did we book Will for comedy too? Apparently not. So fast forward a bunch of years, they give this stuff away with petrol. Yeah, get some true. petrol. Here's a digital watch. Can you foresee a time when they will be giving tablets away? Uh, yes. It's going to happen. I was going to make a terrible joke about the NHS then, but I won't. It'll be ironic if the NHS start charging for tablets, <laughs> when but everybody else starts tablet. giving theirs away. Yeah, I think um, in the next couple of years, you're going to see things with um, more disposable screens and um, devices that are going to be one use and you don't recharge. There are Some magazine companies are already testing the idea of a digital magazine that won't cost much more than the magazine you're used yep. to buying, um, and that will be a, a read once, and then um, you, you, you recycle it. it will because that, that's when all the kind of bolt-ons, by which I mean things like apps, newspapers, magazines... All of that begins to take off when everybody has an affordable tablet. Yeah, but that's actually that's happening to a degree already. Sure. If you look at the average um, smartphone now, um, so somebody with a two- or three-year-old Android device or a two- or three-year-old iPhone, you've pretty much got access to everything um, that's available in terms of um, kind of all of these, these kind of services. And with tablets now under 100 quid, I mean, Apple sold millions and millions of iPads. The iPad was popular and lots of people bought it, but to become truly mainstream, you need something under 100 quid yep. because parents are going to be buying these cheaper tablets over Christmas sure. for children, um, you know, grandparents. Everybody's going to want a tablet this year because they are now at this kind of very enticing uh, price point. You can obviously put a lot of stuff into a tablet. So you could buy a tablet for 99 quid, give granny a voucher for the Android Play Store for 25 quid, and she can download as many sexy strip poker apps or 
books or magazines or um, you know MP3s of, of of like Russ Conway or whoever sure. she wants, and that's why it's going to be super popular. Does it ever worry you that some of the conspiracy theorists might be onto something oh, here? God, here? Given that we're now all, if you watch it like some cheapy sci-fi movie from say the fifties or the sixties. It has some bloke walking around with a big pad in his hand, pressing buttons on it, and yeah. it makes stuff happen. Curtains open, lights turn on, folk turn up. That's exactly what we have. Well, now. it's true, and you can do that now already with a tablet. You can get the right... I've actually got a device in my, um, my front room now that um, converts what I'm doing on my tablet into the remote control frequencies for every device in my house. Keep your girlfriend out of this, Will. <laughs> boom, boom. So all of that stuff is available. Yeah, you can do that. What is interesting is that that was once upon a time just so futuristic as to be ludicrous. Nobody would have thought that kind of thing could happen. And the idea that everybody would have their own pad with their... You know, somebody said recently, the reason why the government aren't worried about ID cards is because we all have an ID card. It's called our phone. Mm. So we're tracked and all manner of other things happen via it. It forces us, whichever way you want to slice it up, to spend more money than we would ever normally spend because it's at the touch of a button. It's all designed, really, isn't it, to be able to get us to part with cash. Uh, your tinfoil hat slipping slightly. Is it really? There. What, at the back? Yeah. Hang on. Andre, can you push my helmet up a bit, please? It's a very interesting question. I think technology uh, has become something that's incredibly ubiquitous and everybody uses it. But technology has made life easier and it's made us probably slightly lazier in terms of our ability to do things. But I don't think there was any any particular grand plan. I mean, even if you go back as far as the 1960s, I watched a video today, bizarrely, of Arthur C. Clarke essentially predicting the Internet in 1961 accurately saying to somebody, by the year 2000, mm. we are all going to be connected to computers and the internet. So no conspiracy? I, no, I don't think so. I think... Uh, it's an Orwellian it's all too news easy. wall in our hands. It's all too easy to look at the internet as some kind of crazy Illuminati or lizard-powered conspiracy. Yeah. I just think it's developed through um, science and the development of technology sure. without the ultimate aim of it being the world's new god. Even I, though that's what it may end up being. I, I totally agree, and that's usually what I say to the tinfoil hat brigade when they call it, that the fact is you can't uninvent stuff. So no. why not? You, you can't stop human uh, ingenuity and progress. So once somebody thinks, actually, that'd be a good idea. I wonder how I could make a phone that you could have in your hand and it could do X, Y, Z. Oh, I wonder if I can get an app that allows everybody to sort of share a marketplace with their own selfies. One of the statistics that blows my mind is your average smartphone, your iPhone, uh, your current iPhone, not necessarily the latest one, is 48,000 times more powerful than the computer that took man to the moon. And you've got that in your pocket. And you don't even think of this device now as a computer. You don't think... Do you remember the first time you bought a computer, you took it home and you plugged it in and you kind of had it on your desk and it was like this all-powerful thing. And that that phone you're using is probably 20,000 times more powerful than that ZX Spectrum or whatever you bought at the time. So no matter how many times you straddle this uh, beautiful iPhone 6, it won't take me to the moon because I've sat in the back garden giving it a go. That sucker's going nowhere, Will. So this Christmas... Uh, it's, it's going to be the tablet again. I think the tablet's going to be big version. this year, the cheaper tablets, because in previous years when I've been on chatting on Once a Word, we've said stay away from the cheap tablets because they were Chinese, really bad. Basically, the best way to describe it is like looking through a murky wind, like a dirty glass window mm. rather than something that's kind of smooth. And it would have really, using one of these cheaper tablets would really have spoilt your experience of using a tablet device. But now, because it's a, we're a few years down the line and yep. the technology is actually essentially becoming cheaper, there's some good ones for under 100 quid. Um, another thing that's going to be big this Christmas, uh, 
games consoles and games technology are going to be really big. Now, um, in previous years, we've talked about mobile phones and how mobile phones are kind of destroying traditional video gaming. But there's really strong sales at the moment for uh, the PlayStation, um, the, the, the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360 and even the next generation consoles, which are the ones that were released about a year ago, the more powerful ones like the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. There's a huge market for these this Christmas. And I think they're going to be supremely popular. So video games are also driving a lot of sales this Christmas. As well. And a final question, Will Guy. We mentioned games consoles. And I think 2015 is going to be the year that I suddenly... Now I've hit my 30s. I think it's time to maybe discover the world of gaming. Game of catch-up. You've been urging me to do this forever. Just recommend one game that you would say to somebody who's never seriously... I mean, obviously I've played video games, but somebody who's never really seriously got into it. And you want to recommend one game that's going to properly tip them into the world... Well, I think, console. It, I think it depends. There's, it depends on the kind of game that you want to play. But if you wonder what video games have become in the last 50 years since you last played a video game, <laughs> then, um, since the first times you played Pong, um, video games have developed into a really interesting... Uh, a really interesting environment and the games rival they rival hollywood blockbusters and even the writing and the quality of writing and acting in these things is better than many many novels books, are they other kind of stuff. they are you, you see about? you're an absolute luddite we have this conversation every- it's not like i haven't seen a video game they don't look like a hollywood movie they look like a little sort of cartoon and in fact sometimes you think why have you got a hollywood actor kind of like crayoned in just put the hollywood actor in it well you are missing the point. The technology is now actually catching up incredibly. And if you look at Call of Duty, the one that's out for this Christmas, um, Advanced Warfare, Kevin Spacey looks like Kevin Spacey. It doesn't look like a rubbery... But that's because it is Spacey. Kevin Spacey! Well, that's the point. It is Kevin Spacey. Well, just put Kevin Spacey in He's it. in there, Don't you idiot. Don't put Kevin Spacey in and then say, wait there, Kev, we're going to colour you in with some crayons. They didn't say that. You can never get anywhere to. We're going to make you look a bit fuzzy, games. so you look like a computerized version of yourself. And if I was Kevin Spacey, I'd be thinking, why have they made me look all fuzzy on the video game? I don't think Kevin Spacey was remotely worried. He was picking up a wheelbarrow full of dosh. For what? For being coloured in by some crayons? For being in the video game. So, if you were going to play one video game this year, yeah, come on, one give us one video game. One that's game fantastic guy. is a game called The Last of Us, which is on PlayStation Four. Okay. It's a zomb- it's like a zombie apocalypse, and you play uh, uh, a man who ends up looking after a teenage girl, not his teenage daughter, and you see them take themselves through this kind of post-apocalyptic world. The story is tremendous. You get really engaged and involved in it, and uh, it's a fantastic game. Well, I'm sorry, got to ask you to leave. Tech knob. Credit stream. Well, there you go, kids. It's another selection of once a word beauties, all neatly wrapped up and lobbed into the bag. Good day to you. We're off, of course, but back on the next episode. Thanks to you for downloading. If you like what we do, want to help support this podcast, you get over to iTunes, you rate, you review, you subscribe. Really important stuff, all of that. Android users can try us. What, on the free Stitcher app, Kevin? Oh, yeah, that's very good. Is that stitcher.com slash once a word? That'll do. That's also free. Thank you to all of our guests. All can be followed on Twitter, as can we, at once a word. And the in-show feature sponsor music, Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. That's the one. Uh, technical operator Andre Porch. Program edited by Bonnie Langford this uh, week. Thank you, Bonnie. We are, of course, back. Oh, I should say, by the way, in show catering, Abdul's Coffee Shack, celebrating 25 years of pouring his finest beans. <laughs> thank you, Abdul. A little ripple, I think, for Abdul. Everybody. 
We are back in seven days with many things. One of them might be LaDonna Harvey, live from the United States of the Americas. Exciting. Until then, goodbye. A Big Things Media production. <laughs> Big Things. Ian Collins wants a word. Powered by the hard-working Mitsubishi L200. With £2,000 off the range, make the L200 your ultimate workmate. Ha, ha, ha.